Ephesians chapter 1, 1 and 2. Following the reading of the Word of God. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, to the saints who are at Ephesus, who are faithful in Christ Jesus, grace to you and peace from our God and Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, help us to hear the amazement of this text. Father, help us to understand. Help us to be overwhelmed. And Father, help us understand the riches that are yours in Christ for your people. Thank you, my King. Thank you. In Christ's name. Amen. A couple of weeks ago when I stepped into this, I showed you the framework that this book sets in. Basically, it's the treasure house of believers. It is God's checkbook. And you cannot overdraw it. You cannot waste it. You cannot outspend it. And it's always replenished. That is the framework that this is in. But the framework is a little bigger. I had a conversation while I was out this week. And it it's funny because I was with a lot of Christians. Okay? And I remember making a statement, and you could see it among all of them. That they couldn't believe I would say that. You know what I said? We were talking. My son-in-law, my daughter, my mom, two of my cousins. We were just discussing over elk bratwurst. And I gave thanks, don't worry. But anyway. I told them, as far as I'm concerned, there's nothing more important to me on the planet Earth than the church. You can't say that. What about your wife? What about your kids? What about... Nope. Nothing more important to me on the planet Earth than the church. Period. But I watched, kind of shocked, that people didn't want to... What? But your family. What about your family? What about... Well, they're important. But there's nothing more important than the church. Because that is the incarnation of Jesus Christ to a lost and dying world. You know, I get get confused at times when I watch people. People say, well, you know, churches have fill in the blank. They don't do this. They do do this. They don't, you know, whatever it is. I've heard it all. So I don't go. I do my Bible studies at home, or I'll do this, or I'll do that. And I, I, when I run into these people, I always tell them the same thing. As I read my Bible, a Christian who isn't in church is punished. That's how you punish a Christian. So you prefer to be punished. Because that's what it says. Set them outside the church and teach them not to blaspheme. Let them go hang out with Lucifer. 
So now, do you kind of have a little better idea of why I love the church? Because I know what the alternative is. And, and yes, you know what? The church is a lot like Noah's Ark. If it wasn't for the storm outside, the stink inside would kill you. Okay? The church ain't perfect. It never said it was going to be. And if you find a perfect church, please do not enter it. Okay? That's what this text is. You will see the word ekklesias. We translate that church. Church. And that's what we're going to be dealing with in this text. Because it's church. It's church. First three chapters tell us what a believer's resources are. And I tell you what, if you go through it on a cursory, just a cursory through, go check out the adjectives and adverbs. They will freak you out. Because Paul, under the inspiration of the Spirit, is trying to explain the unexplainable. Let me tell you, you have been blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenlies. It's according to God's Riches. Now think about what according to God. It's not out of God's riches. It is according to God's riches. It's manifest on the basis of what God has. And yet I look around at Christians. I look around at the church. And I think, (laughs) why don't they read this? You do not have to be a theologian to read this and say, wow. All you have to do is look at adjectives and adverbs. They modify the action, they modify the noun. And you just get done done with it. The first three chapters, you go, oh, shazam. The last three chapters tell us how to use all that we have. Listen, we can't use them if we don't know what they are. And if we know what they are, then we must know how to use them. That's why Paul starts off with, this is what you have. And this is how you shall use what you have. Now listen. These are riches that are based to believers. Okay? This letter is to believers. Okay? But the reason that we have them is because we are in the church. Okay? I ain't here to hurt nobody's feelings. But I'm telling you, if you're not in church, you're missing out. It's ours because we are in the church. It is ours because we are in the body of Christ. We are saved people. We are in Christ. Verse 1, key phrase, in Christ Jesus. All those who are faithful in Christ Jesus. Because we are in Christ, we are in His church. All of these things are ours. 
key thought to this is in kind of a frame is out of chapter 3. Verse 3. That by revelation that was made known to me the mystery as I wrote before in brief. What is this mystery? Paul has a message of Christ. He has a mystery. He says, I got to share you something that hasn't been revealed. It's now been revealed. You need to see this. You need to pay attention to this. This is vital. Read the context. For this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, for the sake of you Gentiles, if indeed you have heard the stewardship of God's grace, which was given to me for you, that by revelation I made known to you what? What did you make known? What was this mystery? What was this amazing thing, Paul? By referring to this, that you read and you understand my insight into the mystery of Christ, which in from generation has not been made known to the sons of men. And now has been revealed by his holy apostles and the prophets in the spirit. It has not been known. I'm going to tell you something that ain't been known. It has been known by the prophets. Nobody knew this. Let me explain it to you. To be specific, that the Gentiles are fellow heirs and fellow members of the body and fellow partakers of the promise of Christ Jesus through the gospel. You know what that is? It's a miracle. It's a new creation. It's called the church. The church. Ephesians is about this mystery. The mystery of the church. In other generations, verse 5 there of chapter 3. In other generations is not made known to the sons of men. Guess what? This is new. You know, if you go study the temple or even the tabernacle, you will find that you have the Holy of Holies. That's where the presence of God is. Then you have the court of the Jews. And that's where the Jewish men could get, but they couldn't go in. Only the priesthood could go in. And they could only do that once a year. But you had the court of the Jews. You know what was next? The court of the Gentiles. And the Jews didn't see it. And then the court of the women. But Paul is saying, I have a mystery. It's been revealed to me and it's going to knock your proverbial sandals off. Jew and Gentile together. In the body. In Christ. Paul writing to the Romans says, we have been adopted. And he uses the word adopted because under Roman law, if you were a Roman father and a child was born and you didn't want it, you could give it thumbs down and that's what they would call late term abortion. You could have the child killed. Okay, any time during the life of that child, if the father felt like the child had shamed the family name, he could have the child killed any time. Okay, 
under one aspect he couldn't. That's if he adopted that child. Because see, the first time around, if you give birth to the child, then you can make the decision. The second time, if you adopt a child, you're making a willful decision that I want this child. And by Roman law, you couldn't have that child put to death. That's the term the Apostle Paul speaks of Christians who are in Christ. Who are in Christ. Chapter 11 of Romans, he says, we have been grafted in. Grafted in. Listen, grabbing a hold of this is key to understanding this letter. Paul's definition of the church And he describes it as partakers. We partake in Christ. This letter to Ephesians presents a mystery. A mystery, verse 3, chapter 3 says, has been revealed. Let me pull back the curtain so you can see this. It was given to Paul and he's given to us this mystery. That in other ages it was not known. Remember Jonah? He was supposed to take the gospel to who? Okay, were they Jewish? Nope, they weren't. And he knew that if God was saying, Jonah, take it up there, he knew what was going to happen. Them turkeys are going to repent. I don't want them to repent. Them is some awful people. Did it anyway. With some conjoling. Gentiles are fellow heirs. This hidden secret of the past was revealed to Paul. So it drives me nuts when I hear people say, well, you know, I'm a Messianic Jew. And I just smile at him and say, I'm a Messianic Gentile. Because you've got the church, you've got Gentiles, you've got Jews. That's it. And there is no specific church for Jews and Gentiles. It is a church. The body of Christ. Oneness of Christ. Period. Jew and Gentile would be one body in the church. How amazing. I mean, Peter struggled with that. Remember when he had the vision? Of all the foods coming down, says just eat and partake. Why? I made it. And then he Peter took the message to Joppa and shared it to Gentiles. But there's something I want I'm gonna kind of spend a little time on right now because I know what's going on in my town. I, I seen a lot of stuff down in Clarksville, Tennessee. I I see it a lot when I travel. People don't ask me what I do for a living, which is kind of cool. It makes me stealthy. And and so I can bring up spiritual things and they don't have to say, well, you have to believe that because you're a pastor. Okay, if you're sitting there with a Harley t-shirt on and flip-flops and shorts, hey, what? Okay, I'm comfortable. I'm driving. So I can talk to people. And one of the things that I have learned is that there's an amazing ignorance on what does it mean when things are revealed. 
Okay? You'll hear a new phrase that it's, well, it's been out for a long time, but it's getting used again because everybody's getting spiritual. God's given me a word. Okay? Or God has shown me something. Well, that ain't in the Bible. What'd you, I don't know where you got that. Okay? God shows me stuff every day. Every stinking day. Every day! I get stuff. It's amazing. But it's because I read this book. He shows me something else. All right, there's three ways that God reveals things. And that's what I'm going to deal with today. You're not going to believe this because some people act like they've got it. But it's not true. Okay? Did you know that some things God never tells anyone... Now, I've watched people knock themselves out thinking that they're supposed to know it all. But in Deuteronomy chapter 29, verse 29, the secret things belong unto the Lord our God, but the things which are revealed belong to us and our children forever. Okay? So if you come to me and you have a question for me, and I tell you, oh, no. Okay? You might want to hang out there. I remember uh, one of our elders came to me one time and he says, I've been pondering something. I said, all right. <laughs> I'm happy for you. He says, where did sin come from? And he says, you definitely read your Bible. Can you tell me where sin came from? I said, it's none of your business. He said, what? What's none of your business? Why? God didn't tell us. God didn't tell us. But you can't tell me this. It's there. It's all around me. But there are things that God doesn't tell. Shazam! Some things God reveals, but the secret things He keeps. Listen, let me see if I can make this as simple as I can. Alright? We'll never know everything. Because God hasn't told us everything. You know, and, and everybody said, well, well, that don't seem right. You know what? Our minds couldn't handle it. Our brains would blow out our ears. It says, when I get to heaven, I will know as God knows. Why? Because I've got to get a different vessel to handle all of that information. You can't handle it. I couldn't handle it. Our minds won't. To understand, now think about it, to understand all the knowledge of God, really? Really? We are excruciatingly limited. Very, very limited. 
The secret things belong to God. Just think about it. I grew up with the Apollo program when we went to the moon. I remember Apollo 13 and in Houston we have a problem and, you know, all this other stuff. Did you ever look at the size of the computer that was in the command module of the Apollo spacecraft? This thing is massive. It had its own cooling function. So the sucker would run. I got more power in that thing right there than Apollo 13 had. But do you see what I'm trying to get at? Just look at that time frame. That's the late 60s. That's amazing to me. And so you think you can know as God knows. Really? I can't even keep up with setting the, the clock on my VCR. So it just sits there and blinks at me. But it is consistent. I know. You got a VCR? Yeah. I still have tapes. God has chosen some things to be secret. They belong to him. They're his. But he chose to reveal some things to man, but not all things. He has given man everything he needs for life and godliness. Okay, life is the temporal side. Godliness is the eternal side. Second, God has some secrets that he reveals through special people. And he's done it throughout history. And all of the special people are believers. All believers. Now listen, I want you to re realize this. All believers are on the same plane. Okay? Anything God ever reveals for his people comes from the word of God. See, that's how you and I can prove whether he's right or wrong. Okay, because there's a whole bunch of people talking for God that don't line up with Scripture, and I don't listen to them. And, and that's, that's amazing to me. Well, well, I've been listening to, but it's not biblical. You're wasting your time. Psalm 25, verse 14. The secrets of the Lord is with them who fear the Him. And He will show them His covenants. Okay? Those people who fear the Lord, guess what? He will show them. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 32. His secret is with the righteous. Amos chapter 3, verse 7. He reveals his secrets unto his servants. Have you ever sat with somebody, talked to somebody or whatever, and ha had them read a text of scripture and they get done reading it and they're clueless of what it said? You ever done that? You ever Okay. They're not saved. It's foolishness. 
It don't make sense to them. And I've done it a couple, oh, tragically, I've done it a couple times with pastors and thought, ooh, that's kind of spooky. Okay? Listen, there's times that I'll read scripture. No, I don't get it right off the bat. But if I keep reading it, all of a sudden it's going to become evidently clear. I try to get people to understand that. That people say, well, how do you study? I read my Bible. Well, but I mean, what do you use? I read it over and over and over and over and over and over again. And over again. I just keep reading it. I don't sit down and say, okay, let's do paragraph one. We'll exegete. Where are the adverbs? Where are the adjectives? How many personal pronouns are there? And what does this verb and it's, uh, how is it parsed in the original? I don't do that. I read it. What does it say? He didn't write this thing. I have a mystery and you can't figure it out. That ain't what he did. He wrote it down and says, look, it's right there. Now, there's times when I go into the original language because uh, the Greek language, you can parse everything. You can parse a conjunction, which is just fascinating to me. That's like multiple ands. Okay, and you're, whoa, what? Okay, but they parse everything. Okay, it's, it's the reason the Greek language is a dead language. It's too stinking confusing. Okay, let's get it down to American. Okay, I can understand American. There you go, all right? And I won't even go with Hebrew because they're backwards. They go right to left. And you're like, no, uh-uh. <laughs> uh-uh. That's like going to the Caribbean and driving on the wrong side of the road. No, I ain't doing that. <laughs> I'll blow the horn and smile at you. Okay, but I, I, these are the kinds of things I want you to think about. If you read it, you have the author indwelling you. It's like Macbeth. I still don't know what that is. That's the stupidest, weirdest thing I've ever heard. I even thought, well, Mel Gibson does it. I'll understand it. And I still didn't understand it. But I can't see Shakespeare down and say, what in the world were you thinking? But I can with the Lord. Lord, I don't know what this is. Those who fear him will know his truth. These are the righteous. These are the servants. These are the people of God. Listen, there's some things that nobody knows. Some things only believers know. We know things that unbelievers can't even grasp. And you know what? If you deal with them, you'll realize you can't even explain it to them. Yet... Unbelievers know some things about God. Because if they didn't know some things about God, they wouldn't always be trying to get rid of Him. Because if there is no God, then why do you have to battle to get rid of Him? Because in Romans chapter 1, it says, these things can be seen in creation, and they will know His eternal Godhead. 
they will know his power so that they are without excuse. See, the world knows something about God. You know, listen. I look at creation. I don't care if you can look at it on a molecular structure or you can look at it on the vastness of space. Okay? It takes more faith to believe that that's all random chance than to say there's a creator. I don't care what anybody says. Now, because, you know, they're convinced that evolution is true. There's no truth to it. You can't prove it scientifically. But I'm going to swear by it. Why? I got to get rid of God. Why? Because if there's a God, uh, my chicken's cooked. Secrets of God belong to God. Some are revealed to the righteous people, his children. The world knows some things about God. They can look. And, but there's also this thing that if you look in Matthew 11, and I think it's 1 Corinthians 12 or 13. In Matthew 11, Jesus had been, in Matthew 10, Jesus had been accused of doing miracles by the power of Beelzebub. Okay? By the power of Satan. All right? From that point on, publicly, he taught in what? Parables. But up until that time, he cut her straight. All right? After they accused him of doing it in the power of the devil, he began teaching in parables. Now, parables are like riddles. Okay? The problem with a parable, and I've heard it preached... Is that if you don't take what they describe and explain the parable, you're going to be an idiot. Okay? Because you can make it be anything you want it to be. But the person who tells it to you knows what it means. Okay? Tongues was a sign for unbelieving Israel. Why? Because I could tell you truth. And if I tell you in a language you don't understand, you still were exposed to truth even though you don't understand it. That's judgment. And it started first with, you're doing that by the power of the devil. Which you got to sit and look at him and say, boy, you are Einstein, ain't you? Matthew 11, Jesus told his disciples that he didn't tell others. He hid it from the wise, revealed it to the Babes. Third thing. Some things God keeps secret for a period of time. I've, I've been reading this guy, Rabbi Samuel. He wrote in the 1100s. Guy's a fascinating read. Fascinating read. He predicted the reestablishment of the nation of Israel in 1948 from the 1100s. So that's before Luther and Calvin and all the rest of it. He predicted it. Uh, now, he didn't say, you know, on May the 3rd or anything like that, but in 1948. He predicted that Israel would get their capital back, Jerusalem, in 1967. And you're like, but there wasn't even an Israel. But he, he's, 
He's a believing Jew that just was fascinating. He's a fascinating read. I don't recommend everybody get into it because, you know, it's people get. Well, he's like, yeah, it's like, what was that guy? Not Nicodemus. Nostradamus. Yeah. Well, he, he, gosh, I, you know, blind, blind pig can find slop every once in a while. But anyway, so, but it's, it's a, he's an interesting read for people who like history. If you don't like history, it'll bore your boots off. There are things that the Lord keeps hidden for a time and then he reveals it to his people. That, brothers and sisters, is the New Testament. That is the New Testament. Have you ever heard this phrase, born again? Boy, does that mean you got to crawl back up in your mother's womb? And nope. Jesus was laying the foundation for a new creation. The ecclesias. The word ecclesias is the called out ones. That's what the word literally means. We translate it church. Church. We know things that the Old Testament saints did not know nor even comprehend. New Testament is a truth. For a new age. We are in the church age. If you take the 70 weeks of Daniel. Between 69 and 70. There's a gap. It's called the church age. When the fullness of the Gentiles. Will be reached. Then you have that seven years. Of the 70th year. Okay, I'm not going to get into it. I can see everybody. What? It's seven seventies. Okay, each year is seven year spans. Okay, so anyway, between sixty nine and seventy, because it's sixty ninth year, he will be cut off. Okay, that's the death of Messiah. Then you have a stretch that's between the sixty ninth year of Daniel and the seventieth year of Daniel when he'll come back. But see, nobody pays attention to that because that is the church age. How long is it? Until the fullness of the Gentiles is reached. So let's get busy. There's one last Gentile out there and we need to track him down or her down. And Come on, buddy, what's the matter with you? <laughs> You're holding up progress here. The New Testament is a truth for a new age. For this in between 69 and 70th week of Daniel. It's a new creations. It is born again. That secret has been revealed by God. Listen, Peter tells us that the Old Testament saints struggled to see this. To make the sense of it. The little translation. Peter tells us that they were searching for it. Nathaniel, we looked at him. He was underneath the tree trying to figure out what the heck is Messiah. Messiah. Even the angels did not understand it. Now think about that for a second. Where do the angels hang out? In God's library. <laughs> They're in heaven. And they couldn't get it. 
They didn't even know the meaning of salvation. They were longing to understand this. Some things God has kept secret through all of history. And then he finally reveals them in the New Testament. That's what we are. That's why people ask me, well, why don't you ever do anything in the Old Testament? Because I'm a New Testament preacher. When I get done with the New Testament, I'll go hang out in the Old Testament for a while. These are the mysteries. Something, the word in the Greek is something that has been hidden, but is now revealed. It's revealed in the New Testament. This mystery, the church would come into existence. It's a new creation. It's not like anything that anybody's ever seen ever before. It's a new creation. It's a new existence. It would be one body with Jew and Gentile at one. It's one living organism. It's a new creation. The Old Testament saints never saw that. They never grasped it. And you know what? We're getting ready to go see. To see it in all of its glory. And see that it was Paul's job to reveal this mystery. Remember? Paul was without a people. Do you ever think about that? When he did the road to Damascus, guess what? The Jews wanted him dead. The Gentiles didn't trust him. He had to go to the Gentiles. God says you will be an apostle to the Gentiles. Because I'm going to use a Hebrew of Hebrews of the tribe of Benjamin, circumcised on the eighth day, a Pharisee in his teaching, to show the truth of my gospel, even to the Gentiles. That's why the Apostle Paul was so enamored with in him. It just freaked Paul out. We're in him. We're in Christ. We're in his body. We're in him. We're in God. Shazam! And that's where he hung out. And that's what he's going to do for you and I. I believe, should the Lord tarry, we get through this and it changes church. I truly believe that. Follow my fiber of my being. Because you can't take the church out of this. Which he lavished on us in all wisdom and insight. Amen, amen, and amen. Let's pray. Father, to you be the glory. To you be the revealer of mystery. Help us, Lord, to have ears to hear. Help us to bow before you as your righteous ones. Father, help us to bow before you as your servants. Help us to bow before you as your children, as your people. Help us, Lord, that the thrill and enthusiasm that the Apostle Paul has, let us embrace it and shout from the mountaintops. He is king 
and we are in Him. To you, my Savior, my Lord, in Christ's name, Amen.